0: And we're live with JavaScript Air. Hello, everyone. So happy to be here on this fabulous uh, August 10th of 2016. And we're going to be talking about how to be a mentor today. Uh, I think this is a really important topic, and we have some subject matter experts with us today. Um, And so that's going to be fantastic. We're going to have a good conversation. Um, before we get into that, I always need to give a shout out to sponsors. Really appreciate uh, the help that they provide for this show. So first, Egghead.io is the show's premier sponsor, and they have a huge library of bite-sized web development training videos. Check them out for content on JavaScript, Angular, React Node, and more. Egghead.io is also the host of two free courses from Dan Abramov. Find them at egghead.io slash redux. And Frontend Masters is a recorded expert-led workshop with courses on advanced JavaScript, asynchronous, and functional JS, as well as lots of other great courses on Frontend Topics. Uh, I just barely finished two workshops, one on um, how to write an open source library and another on Webpack. Um, you can check those out when they're all edited and done in about three months. They're gonna be great. Um, I'm exhausted. <laughs> and then Track.js reports bugs in your JavaScript before customers notice them. And with their telemetry timeline, you'll have the context to actually fix them. Check them out and start tracking JavaScript errors today at trackjs.com. And WebStorm is a powerful JavaScript IDE. It makes developers more productive with its super-intelligent coding assistance for JavaScript, Node, um, Angular, React, and integration with lots of different tools. Learn more at uh, jetbrains.com slash webstorm. And Trading Technologies is looking for passionate and inventive full-stack JavaScript developers who want to work on cutting-edge solutions in a collaborative and challenging environment. Go help them build something, uh, or build the top choice platform for derivative traders. All right, so um, just a couple quick announcements. This is a live show. You can ask questions with the hashtag question. We welcome you to do that, um, and it's, it's fun to interact with uh, those of you who are watching live. Um, and we are a weekly show as well, so you can look forward to tuning in next week as we talk about managing dependencies like a boss. Sunglasses emoji. Um, that's the official title of the show. Uh, and we have a couple awesome people to talk about that. Ben Coe, Ashley Williams, Stefan uh, Boneman and um, Andrew Nesbitt. Interesting show. I'm excited to, uh, to talk about this really important topic in our community. Um, great, and that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, so let's go ahead and, oh yeah, always follow us on Twitter, Google+, Pause, and Facebook, all those important things, <laughs> that's a, those are good things. Uh, okay, so let's introduce everybody that we have for the show, so um, again, my name is Kent C. Dodds, I am your host every week, and I love being that, um, but we have four awesome guests uh, with us today who are um, great mentors and, and have some important thoughts on this subject. Uh, first, Teres Mankowski uh, Sorry.
1: Hi. hi.
0: Sorry about that, Teres. Uh, and Jed Watson. And Jed is muted, but he said hi. I saw his lips.
1: Mute. Hi. <laughs> hi.
0: <laughs> and uh, Kim Creighton. Hello. And Colt McAnlis. Hello. How's everybody doing today? My best. So uh, yeah, today we're, we're gonna be talking about mentoring with these fine people, but let's get a quick intro to each of them so we know a little bit about our guests. So we'll start out with Teres. Can you give us an intro to yourself?
2: Um, I'm uh, an Ember GS developer. I have a company called Ember Sherpa, and uh, we help be better at Ember. In a process, we mentor. Um, I mentor developers myself, and uh, I met, we mentor developers for companies as well. So we do a lot of uh, helping developers go from either no Ember experience to being, you know, fully effective Ember developers. So it's something that's very close to my heart.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, uh, Jed.
3: Um, I run a company in Sydney. We Build software, we mainly use Node in the back end and React in the front end, we do web and mobile stuff. Um, I'm also, I, I'm sort of huge on open source, I, I really enjoy being part of the broader JavaScript community. Um, if you've if you've worked in React, there's a pretty good chance you've used some packages that I've published. Um, I also, at, at my work, we have a really strong culture of bringing in developers and mentoring and we have a, a senior position as well that um, might get to talk about later, where uh, I'll get to it. Uh, It's 3am where I am. I should probably call that out. I'm pretty (laughs) tired, but I'll do my best to hang in there. And uh, yeah, I I also run a, a major open source node content management system. And a large part of that is about making sort of starting to develop projects in node more accessible to developers. So this whole mentoring thing is kind of threaded through a lot of the stuff that I do. Fantastic. Thank you for your work. Uh, Kim.
1: Hello, everyone. Um, Good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are. Um, I am an educator by trade. Um, I write curriculums, I train adults, I've trained people from the ages of, or uh, worked with people from the ages of five until almost dead. Um, So I am on the learner side, and also I spent the last a year and a half trying to teach myself to code so I come from that pain point um, and so in my life um, I was trying to figure out what I could bring from the things that I knew as an expert to this field and one of the things that I as again was a pain point and that I saw was a need was effective mentoring this is a very open community as um, some of our um, guests have said we have everybody's giving stuff away you know open source what other what other industry just gives stuff away and so people are very generous and they want to help. They just don't know how or they don't know how to do it well. And so that's what I've been speaking um, about and um, writing about and just helping um, that process, helping people better support learners and, and helping learners know um, what their process is. And it all came from a, a blog post that I wrote um, on my blog that says, Stop Lying to Newbies please stop telling us this stuff is easy because it's not. And so that's how all this started for me. Um, that's why I saw that I really fit with my knowledge of, um, of working with learners and helping them and helping um, boot camps and whatnot better create processes that support learning. And mentoring is a major part of it. That to me? Um,
0: sorry, Kim. I, I think uh, you may have dropped out, or maybe my internet's bad. But thank you.
1: I hope that.
0: <laughs> I, heard, I heard most of you. Uh, uh, most okay. of you. Uh, so great. I'm excited to to talk with you. I think you'll have a unique perspective that you bring to the show um, today. So thank you, Colt. Can you give us an intro to yourself?
4: Uh, Howdy. Uh, My name is Cole McCandless. I am a developer advocate at Google, which basically means it's uh, my job to get yelled at when uh, people are using Android products and they don't work that well, or at least from the developer perspective. Um, Historically, I actually have a background in the gaming industry. I've worked on a lot of franchises from uh, Microsoft to Blizzard to Petroglyph and whatnot. Um, I also had a stint as an adjunct professor at Southern Methodist University for about three years. And uh, yeah, I guess my main focus on mentoring is uh, both external right because uh, the main point of my job is to help developers work with our content better but more the thing I'm more proud of is the internal stuff so you know making sure that we're onboarding uh, people the right way getting them the right skills to be successful making sure they understand the right way to move up the ladder and how to be uh, you know proficient in a corporate environment and how to focus on the right things when to say no who to say no to how to say no uh, what projects they should focus on all the fun stuff of being uh, you know in a corporate environment Great.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate um, all four of you have unique perspectives that you're going to bring to this conversation. And I think that's that's one of the things that makes JavaScript Air so great is is having um, unique perspectives. So I think probably a good way to get into our conversation is to talk about why mentoring is um, important. Um, but maybe we could get uh, like we could get to that in a little bit after we talk uh, get kind of to a baseline understanding of what we're talking about when we say mentoring. So does anybody want to kind of give their idea of what, what you feel like mentoring really entails and what, what is mentoring?
1: Um, I'll start because um, that's one of the main... I talk about what mentoring is, what mentoring is not, and how to make it effective. Mentoring is not Stack Overflow. It is not Slack. Those things are I have a fire to put out and I need help right now. It's not... Um, it's Those aren't mentoring relationships. A mentor is a relationship. It's something that's cultivated, and like any other relationship, if you value it, you put time and effort into it. So that's one of the hiccups that people have when they desire to mentor is they don't realize that it's the um, it's the relationship part. It's the consistency. And so what you'll have is a newbie who someone says, "Yeah, I'll mentor you," and then there the mentor gets um, life gets complicated or whatever, and they just drop out. Um, that works on Stack Overflow or I mean I've there have been times I've been in Slack or Stack Overflow asking a question and it's like they just leave it's like did they die we were in the middle of a question what happened I mean they don't answer it and that's not what mentoring is it's something someone who who takes the ball and and builds a relationship because learning is very complicated it's very it's very um, people are very sensitive when they are learning, especially if they're adults and they need that relationship built to feel safe so they can make mistakes, so they can ask questions. Um, but mentoring is that, it's again, I, I try to really preface, it's not that one shot off thing. It's a relationship that helps the mentor and the mentee decide together what the end goal is going to be, and they work together to get to that place. So it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a relationship.
0: Well, any other uh, thoughts from others?
2: I just want to say that um, I really, I'm really glad that uh, Kim, you you described it this way. I think it's it's exactly spot on. Um, you know, I would add a few points to it, but it, I think it would all extend on what you're saying. So I think I think that's a really, really great summary of uh, of what uh, uh, mentoring has been from my perspective and what I'd like people to think of mentoring as.
0: And I think that like we're not. I I totally agree as well. Um, but we're not. Undervaluing the importance of people helping on Stack Overflow or, or in Slack or whatever like that's that's all really important stuff like we keep doing that. Um, yes. But when when what we're talking about here is that relationship that you build with uh, with individuals who like have their own struggles in their lives um, and and are working you know uh, working through uh, the process of growing and and the other thing is. I, I think that mentoring isn't just for the beginners, or it's not just for like new people in the industry. Um, there are people who have mentored me at, well, I kind of sort of feel like a beginner in the industry too, but um, I feel like um, everybody's a beginner at something. Every, you know, even if you've been in the industry for a while, there are some things that you don't know, um, and so uh, regardless of uh, your circumstances, um, you can be a mentor to anyone, and anyone can be a mentor to you.
3: I think I have a kind of a complex relationship with the concept of mentoring. I don't really often walk around using that word or thinking of myself as a mentor, but you know, when uh, Max actually, Max Stober tweeted um, me into this discussion, I was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Uh, we had a, a relationships, which everyone has mentioned so far, are kind of the key of this, I think, but also the concept of helping. Um, I mean, I feel like I've been very lucky so far. I my, my dad got me into programming when I was in the middle of high school and helped me start my first business. And everything that I've done since then has kind of snowballed from there over 15 years. And, you know, I, I was lucky to get into tech. I was lucky to have someone to help me. I was I, I've always been surrounded, I guess, by people who have mentored me. And then you get to a point where you realize that you've got something to give back and it's just this natural shift that happens so you start realizing that you know I can go and I can spend a day at a node school and that's a very short uh, sort of brief amount of helping. It's also a very intense experience and then every now and then you meet someone who sort of will follow you up and you can help them and then there's a much longer term mentoring where you've got you know, or someone who you might work with uh, who you can actually help progress and it just feels like this nice holistic circle where, you know, I've I've been I, I guess the word I'm do- dodging around is privilege, um, and I feel like the right thing to do with that is then to pay it forward. You know, I can never easily go back and repay in kind all the people who've helped me, but I can turn around and do things that help other people, and that ideally just continues. Um, and you know, you never know where relationships are going to go either. You know, every single person is a complete person. Uh, just because someone is new at something doesn't mean they're not very experienced in other areas. And two ways in which uh, this sort of stands out from my business in the last couple of years: one is that we've hired a couple of people out of developer accelerators, and these people they've been through three months of learning how to be a developer, and they're very good with all the trendy topics. And then, I, you know, three months in, you're not—you're know, actually you're not a developer. Uh, it takes a lot longer than that to build the maturity that helps you become a good programmer so for people who are dedicated to that it's worth dedicating effort to help them on that journey but they're also you know fully formed human beings who are very good at a whole lot of other skills and one of the things in our business has been sort of allowing people to be leaders in one area whilst they're still you know kind of babies in another um, the other fun experience I've had is I got this email. Uh, I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning this. A couple of years ago, from this kid, 17-year-old, lived in Wodonga, had a really interesting-looking open-source project, wanted a job. Uh, his name was Sebastian McKenzie. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, you know, take a chance on this guy. See what he's, see what he's like. Maybe we can help him." You know, he he's obviously really enthusiastic. Uh, so he came and worked uh, at our company for about six months with this scrappy little project called Six to Five. Um, Obviously, that's a well-known story now, like sort of where where to Five went and where Seb went, and you know, in this very short amount of time, I learned a ton from him. You know, that that was nowhere near the kind of mentoring relationship that I was expecting, and I've just ended up with a friend instead, um, who's very much a leader in in this community that that I'm part of. Like he's gone like this, and it's. I, I think that's. The, the value that you get out of it is not just sort of helping people, but also the relationships that you build and the impact that you can have that's greater than your own experience of it.
1: And that's what I wanted to speak about um, is it's reciprocal. It's it's because we're adults, it's not like mentoring children or young people where it's all focused on them. When you have an adult relationship that's a mentor, there's a lot you can That It's like you switch roles a lot. Sometimes you're the mentor, sometimes you're the mentee. Sometimes I mean it Switzer's roles, and I uh, commend you for bringing in people who have other skills because that's the one thing I hear a lot from my fellow newbies is I have this. I'm not fresh out of college. I've had these many this you know this experience, but nobody will take that in exchange for teaching me this. You know, it's like they and then that's the frustration. It's like you have to you feel like you have to start all over again. But I have something of value. I can do your accounting. I can do this. I can do that. I'm just asking you to help me, because I call it bridging. The, it's like the gulf, the Grand Canyon between ending a boot camp and being the junior developer ready. And that's the lie. Stop telling people that once they've done that, they are junior developer ready because they're not. They're. I mean, you give them a, a coding test and we we freeze. We're like, I don't know what that is. Um, you know. And so it's we need somebody to take our hand and help us through that grand canyon to get to the other side but i have value while you're doing that i'm not just a leech sucking off you i have something to give back
3: yeah i i couldn't agree more it's actually i mean sorry i'm i'm just going to i'm taking this and run with it and can't put me back on 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 topic at any point but uh and- we, we, we keep evolving the way that we bring... We, we've got four people, uh, three of whom have come through developer accelerators and one of whom is self-taught with a couple of years of experience working at Thinkmill at the moment. And they've kind of come in... and The first couple were, you know, pretty scrappy on our part, not on theirs. Um, they sort of put a huge amount of effort in and rocked up with the right attitude and then we'd put them on these like kind of easy like simple, like less important projects where there was more room for them to kind of learn and make mistakes, and that's outright, it it makes total sense until you've done it and then you realize it is the wrong way to get people in. And then for the last two people who've come in, we've flipped it around and we've actually brought them in as QA because they were methodical and intelligent and in that process, rather than being on the front foot immediately, they're actually assessing my work and they're they're assessing other members of the team. They've got to be across a whole project and understand what it means to develop software and develop quality, and that level of responsibility and integration. We have um, obviously juniors. Uh, if anyone who's thinking, who's listening, is thinking about getting us to build something for well, them, I might scare you off. But sometimes we have these people, you know, checking stuff and actually pushing it live to service. It's, it's a lot of responsibility, but it builds a huge amount of confidence. And so instead of trying to get them working on unimportant stuff, we have them working on the most important stuff. But it's things that are completely within their capacity. And then over time, what we find is that we lose our QAs because they start looking into why an issue is happening. They learn more about how the senior architects are writing the code and they go, ah, I think I know why this is happening. And they can follow these threads and then, I actually think I know how to fix this. And then you get a PR and then all of a sudden they're so busy sort of submitting PRs that they're way too busy doing valuable development to just be running your QA anymore and then you reboot the cycle. And it kind of plays to building confidence, it plays to you know, creating a sense of value and, and people are gonna learn best when they're comfortable, when they're confident, when they feel, you know, like this is all working holistically. Um, if you just kind of put someone on something that's obviously less important, um, then yeah, it, like of course it's not gonna work, you know? It's the are the, the junior. We we don't use junior and senior. We sort of I we, we try and shy away from those labels and uh yeah. Like creating that safe space, I I we've found it to be this much more successful way of, you know, yeah. All right, someone else take over. I'm done.
2: Yeah, one I just want to add um just to build on what Jeb what you're saying um, one thing I noticed recently I think. About six months ago, is that because I, I I used word mentor quite a lot, and then at one point I realized that I've been looking at it in a way kind of self-centered. Um, because what I realized is that my role as a mentor is really um, creating opportunities for apprenticeship to happen. It's a you know it's basically like creating a structure that allows a person to go f- through the kind of the flows of. Um, of acquiring knowledge and ac- acquiring um, comfort and acquiring kind of kind of building their legs you know being like being kind of building their their you know both legs of development you know kind of getting the confidence of of being uh, of, of saying you know i I think I, c- I can figure this out I have enough background to be able to figure figure this out um, so this idea of of uh, like I, th- I think one thing that um, that I'm hearing from jet from your, what you're describing is you're kind of describing a, a a structure where where people can you know evolve from um, or grow from from a position that is um, you know I was, well like QA t- tends to be like you're you're checking as opposed to you're making right it's 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 a slightly, you know it's a different different mental process um, but I find that uh, uh, my role as a mentor now, a lot of it is about creating a person to grow from where they are to where to where they're um, to where they want to be. So, if, if you permit me a couple more minutes, I can I can kind of of how how I've been doing that. Um, one thing that's very special about Ember G S as a framework is because it has it's very uh, conventions based. It it's a lot easier for me to say to a person like this is how you could do something. Uh, this is how this is kind of the right way of doing something and. Um, so the way they've been applying this is we have, I have some apprentices that um, started off essentially learning Ember, um, but I, it kind of became really obvious to me that unless you're doing something significant, you never really learn, like you don't, you don't have good incentive to learn. And so one of the structures that I started putting in place is connecting them uh, with, like create, making it possible for them to work with, with, num- with open source projects like Hospital Run, to uh, to contribute to to their projects. So, like one of the, my apprentices, his first his first real work was to write um, an acceptance test suite for for Hospital Run. So that's you know that I, I had to create the connection with Hospital Run. Um, you know, kind of get them to say, yes, I think this is you know we we can do this. Let let, let us enable you and your ma- apprentice to build this and uh, you know to build this test suite and then get it to a point where it's mergeable so going through this process like we've done a few of these since then and now he's working on uh, on the client's project doing looking, uh, open sourcing a client's project but it's been like I can I can see over, over the last six months the person going from I'm really not understanding what's going on to uh, being uh, confident that uh, they they have they can be responsible for a certain aspect of development, at least.
0: I, I like the, the theme of um, developing people's confidence that they they can do it um, because just like Kim said at the beginning, this is not an e- easy industry. It's easy to us now that we've like we've, we're used to it now, and so like it seems intuitive and natural and easy. But it's it really like if you think back, it was not easy. I remember the first time. Somebody tried to explain to me what a string was, and I was totally lost. Um, so yeah, like we can all remember uh, during our early days um, the difficulties. Um, and so I, I want to touch back on uh, what Kim mentioned about um, how we're we all come with existing skills. Like we're not we may be babies in the sense, in our experience uh, with tech, but like maybe we're coming um, from. Uh, previous uh, industries or or we all have different kinds of skills and we all bring different things to the uh, table. Uh, One of the biggest things I think we bring to the table, regardless, like, or one of the most common things that we all bring to the table is our different perspective. Um, And I think that's a really important aspect. Uh, You know, I've talked about this a couple times about the hiring process um, that we always seem to leave out. Like, when we're hiring a developer, we're putting them up against the whiteboard and having them do a bunch of these silly problems that they'll probably never have to come across. Uh, and we're, we're trying to identify, do they know the thing that I've contrived up? Um, you know, like, do they know this random factoid, whatever. Uh, what we should be doing, um, and, and this is a little tangential, so I apologize about that. What we should be doing in this hiring process is identifying what can this person um, bring to my team. What what is that that they're um, that they already possess that they can bring, um, and then also identifying can they learn the the additional things that I need them to be able to do, um, and most people can um, most people can learn those things. So you should be focusing on what what can they uh, bring to my, my team. And I'm not going to go too far into this, but I I somebody asked me a question about um, how I do hiring um, how I interview, um, and it, it kind of follows this vein. So I'll add a link in the show notes. Um, But I think that's a really important aspect that we we need to remember. Everybody brings a different perspective to the table, and we need to consider the perspective as well as other uh, skills that people are bringing to our companies.
1: And the one thing I'm going to say being, I mean, I'm a black female. Um, Tech has embraced me. I am so thankful to tech. I get so many opportunities because people respect my perspective. And I agree with you more. um, Hiring needs to reflect that. You know we have the uh, people are coming. you're encouraging people to come into tech, make it safer for them to stay in tech. That's the issue you know you have thousands of people every day coming into this field, but will they stay here because do they have the support they need to become the developers they want to become and I wanted to touch on one thing that you um, that you were you mentioned before and I know I have to talk about this is imposter syndrome because I just really want to indre- address imposter syndrome and I put in the show links. Um, a, a link to Code Newbie's um, podcast about imposter syndrome because she's done research about imposter syndrome and I'm just gonna give you my take on what's imposter syndrome and what is not. Imposter syndrome is a person who is skilled at doing something and still believes they can't do it. A newbie is not experiencing imposter syndrome. You would not tell a newborn get up and walk or you are you are experiencing you're an imposter. No. They have to roll <laughs> over first. They have to scoot. They have to crawl. They're, step, they're a different steps, and so many. I, it frustrates me only because I've talked to so many newbies who beat themselves up because, oh, I have imposter syndrome. No, you don't. You're learning. Learning is difficult. Stop. If and if the industry would stop saying how easy it is to learn to code, you wouldn't have that disconnect. Because what happens is someone leaves a program. And then they can't do it and they think it's they internalize it. It's me. Something's wrong with me. Because enough not enough senior developers are saying, you know what, it took me two weeks to get my dev environment up as well. Just being honest about those things Helps us a lot because we're like, oh, I'm not stupid. It's not just me. Every time Kyle Simpson puts something on Twitter about the fact that he had to restart something over, oh my God, he gets so many retweets for me because I appreciate people know who Kyle Simpson is, and if he can say, hey, you know what? I screwed this up. I spent three weeks on this, and it's just not gonna work. I need to start over. That's the stories that we need to hear, and those are the stories that mentors need to tell their their mentees, so they can feel comfortable. So they can that also helps build a relationship because they're like, oh, you've been there too. I, I can empathize. I know, man. You know how hard this was when I was doing this in college. Blah blah blah. Those are the things we need because that helps us persevere. If not, we feel because let's face it, most of us are learning on our own. Most of us are not going to boot camps. Most of us are learning this on our own because the information is out here free. So we need support. We need those people to say, you know what? You're spending too much time on this. This is how I would handle that problem. This is how I do that because we don't know.
3: If I can, uh, if I, if sorry. Oh, that was
0: just, I just wanted to say that was, that was fantastic. Highlight of <laughs> the show. That was awesome.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and if, if I could riff on that as well, Kim, I think something you touched on is that the, the diversity factor you know, diversity is not important because it's a metric that we should be hitting or because, you know, people say it's important on Twitter and, you know, we all believe this now. It's because having all these different perspectives, all these different experiences is super valuable. Um, And there is no way that I can have anything like the experience that you've got and vice versa, but by working together, we can understand a lot more, and we can address a lot more. And that is really cool. We're not going to get that without effective mentoring. Like, we've gone from talking about how we mentor, or or what mentoring is, to like why, which is probably the best thing. Mentoring is is valuable because it increases the scope of our community in in such a good way. You know, everyone wants to, I, I don't know what it's like, where you all live, but in Sydney, everyone is looking for seniors. And, you know, if you've got as enough experience, you just, it's fine. You can walk in anywhere and get a job. You know, like, for whatever, we're lucky, it, it's it's a good industry to be in right now, but no one wants to talk to the juniors. No one wants to talk to the people who are just, like, keen as mustard, but just haven't, you know, got the experience. It's fine. Support them for a a couple of years if it takes that, and all of a sudden you've got a great developer, and, and, and you're growing the community, you're growing the pool, and this is the only way we're going to fix it. This is the only way we're going to get you know, more women in tech is by not just saying, hey, we want you, and we do, by the way, like, please come and, come and be part of this. We're having fun. It's good, and you're welcome, um, but then also supporting that process. By having effective mentoring, by having not just an inclusive attitude at the yes, you know, nice to see you at a meetup sense, but like an inclusive attitude in that I will invest my time in helping you do this because that, that's what I want to be creating here.
0: Yeah, that's great. Just to kind of go off of, uh, of that a little bit, I, I meant to mention at the beginning of the show what inspired this, um, the show in the first place. And a couple weeks ago, uh, back in June, I I just had, like, one of those shower thoughts um, where I was like, you know, I wonder how many people are, you know, in a third world country who, if they were given the same amount of opportunity that I've had, would be wildly better uh, or more skilled at uh, software development than I am. Um, and not that, like, I'm not trying to compare myself to anyone uh, by any means, but just, like, that that thought of, uh, I've just been so blessed with so many opportunities, and again, it's that word privilege. I've been really privileged to uh, grow up in a country and in a family where I've gotten these opportunities. And uh, somebody, uh, his name is Lennox uh, Zinyato, I think is how you say it. Uh, and he responded. He said, "I love in Zimbabwe, or I live in Zimbabwe, a third world country. We have a lot of gifted developers here. Most lack mentorship and opportunity." And that's when I realized, and, and we had kind of a conversation, I'll post a link to this, uh, to this suite, but that's when I realized, like, yeah, we, um, you know, many of us have this privilege and, and feel that moral obligation to, you know, to give back uh, what we have, uh, you know, not earned or anything, we just, we're, we're gifted with this. Um, you know, we, we feel like we, we want to give back, but often we don't know how. And so, um, as as part of you know the last couple minutes that are, or about twenty minutes that we have, I would like to talk a little bit about how because I, I think lots of people um, feel like they, they want to help and they and they are in a position that they
1: can, um, but they don't
0: know how they can help. Um,
1: uh, can I start there? Because um, that's um, so for me, I, what I tell people is to make it easier because. Um, the mentor needs to really assess their time, their talent, and their temperament. Everybody can't be a mentor. We need to just be honest. Some people are just are not good for newbies, and so uh, and that need, and that's okay. You can help somewhere else. But if you're going to make that um, process difficult for a young, uh, for a, n- a new person, you just don't need to be there. But the ones who do, um, once you're uh, so if you if time is an issue, those are the things you need to be honest about with yourself. But project-based learning, and you're working on projects already, and so that's what I think I liked about what um, Taurus and Jed said. They're already working on projects. Put them on projects. may have meaningful projects because those things are objective and not subjectable. So it's not, so the, the mentee, again, we don't know what our skills are because we've taken this course that says we're junior developer ready, so we think we know it. Until, but if someone says they want to be a front end developer or work on an open source project, you can give them very clear directives. you need to be able to do this that 's very objective if they can do it you you move to the next thing if they can't, you step back and you scaffold until they can. It makes it very easy. Mentoring has to be planned. it is not something that you can just throw out there because then it becomes it takes up too much of your your life because you're, you, you, you there 's just no structure to it. it has to have a structure to it but project-based learning is the best I've seen the best way of learning this stuff because we're working on projects anyway so it really simulates real life but it's a really good way for mentors in particular I've had a lot of mentors like I want to do it but I don't know how I don't think I'll be good give them a project either they can or they can't if they can't you you step back down and get them the skills so they can do it if they can you just move to the next thing and that's how you build those skills so having them on QA or even or either technical writing also helps because they're reading stuff and they're learning stuff. The, put them on certain things that um, that really help them to um, learn those skills. But something that you can assess because it's measurable.
2: I want to build something uh, build on top of something that Kim said, and actually, and also, can uh, I I'd like to fill in a bit of a story about Lennox because Lennox is one of my apprentices. Uh, so I, I so I have a bit of an insight uh, both from personal, uh, Linux was one of my first kind of personal uh, apprentices whom I've worked with over a long time. So, um, and then one thing that, uh, what what Kim said about being, what, you know, what it means to kind of be a mentor. Um, one thing I found is that when I was working with, with Lennox for the first like six months almost, maybe, maybe four months, I was getting frustrated because he was making very little progress um, and I think what, it it really dawned on me. It, it only it, it only actually occurred to me uh, about six months into working together uh, when at one point I, I realized, like I asked him, like you know, what kind of computer are you using? And he he, he told me, oh, I'm using Linux. I'm like, oh well, but we, actually, I need you to have a Mac, so I'm going to send you a Mac, so you'll have something to work on. So I sent him a sent him a, a MacBook, and he sent me back a picture of the computer that he was working on, and it like. It all made sense. I can understand why he didn't have he was not able to like why our hangout sessions were so frustrating. His computer was ancient he had he had like he practically had holes rubbed into the the body you know the the part where your palms go like that part was completely rubbed off like this his computer that he was working with was really old and so you know here I was like getting kind of irritated with the fact that he's making so little progress and never even cared to like t- take a second and ask him like well what kind of computer are you using you know um so that was one thing, and then the other part was, when you know we when we're working with uh, when we work as engineers, we make this assumption that everybody has engineering background, and it's so you know not asking that question is so flawed because, um, because when I asked Lennox, I'm like you know so what you know what were you doing like you know three months into us working together, I'm like you know me helping him, I asked him like you know what what did you do before? He's like well I used to make websites. You know, making websites, making websites with like WordPress is different than than engineering software systems, right? And so, and so, really, um, it, you know, I realize that it, now, like looking back uh, from what I've learned, but one thing I see is that it's definitely possible for somebody who doesn't have an engineering background to learn to become a good a good software engineer, but it just takes that much longer. Um, so, with Lennox, uh, you know, the path for him, now that he's actually c- contributing to, he's actually able to do work um, and be productive with Ember, his next step is to go back and do, like, uh, c- computer science and software engineering courses just to build up his, uh, build up his foundation.
0: Well, actually, I want to ask you uh, about sending him that MacBook. It sounds like it was, like, really game-changing for him, obviously. So, uh, what, if I were a mentor in that situation, like, I, I might be wondering, you know, after hearing you say that, I might be wondering, well, I don't have enough money to send MacBooks to everybody in the world that I, I want to mentor. Uh, is that something that, like, how, how do you manage the finances of that kind of thing? Like, I imagine you don't need to send a MacBook to every person you mentor. But uh, how do you manage the, right. that, that kind of situation?
2: Um, so it's, get, it's getting easier now, because some of my apprentices that um, that I, you know, uh, that I mentored, I now I now have jobs. So I just recently, when when I was in India, I met a cab driver who uh, who, said, who told me that his daughter wants to go into computer science, but she doesn't have a computer. So you know, I sent a tweet out uh, that saying like, you know, can we can we put pull some money together to get this person a computer? Uh, this girl who wants to become a computer scientist. And uh, you know, uh, two of my apprentices responded. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> you know, these two two people that that. Um, I helped, and now helping me help somebody else. You know, so it gets easier um, as you build up the structure uh, to to do that. But uh, again, but also, like I think I'm also fortunate in that I am um, able to, with the kind of consulting that we do, I'm actually able to uh, give some of my apprentices a uh, real client work to work on. So I, I can bridge that bridge that gap between their fir- their uh, learning and their first gig. Uh, so, and then that allows me to kind of recoup some of the money that I invest into a, a particular apprentice. So, it's, so that I, I try to do my best to kind of create structures for that to happen. A great point.
0: Anyone else have uh, other thoughts on, on that?
4: Um, I'll, I'll chime in here. Sorry for being so quiet as the disembodied head in the Hangout. Um, <laughs> So there's a lot of themes here, and kind of one thing I'd like to do is just kind of bring it back to its core. Uh, there's a lot of talk about, uh, you know, bridging that gap from low-skilled individuals to high-skilled individuals, and about opportunities and about pair programming and, and junior uh, administration and things like that. I, at its core, the way I like to view mentorship is it's about providing experience to create clarity. Um, at, at its at every part of it, it's it's that ten thousand hour rule by Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, we can all sit down and find a compiler and deal with it. But when you have that person standing next to you, showing you what to avoid in the in the great swath of things you could focus on, you you become more efficient. Now, when when you ask about how do you apply that, something that I've always kind of guided myself by when choosing mentees, because that's that's a process in itself, much like Not everyone can be a mentor, not everyone can be a mentoree, and it's very important that you find the right match between mentor and mentoree um, so that their goals are met. When I look for a mentoree, I find someone who has a clear goal, something they clearly want to do, and quite frankly, I I try to look for people with chips on their shoulders. Um, I want people who are passionate enough that they're going to really dedicate themselves to achieving a goal at all costs and if that's the case then my responsibility is just to help them stay focused on that and help them avoid the landmines of things that are going to keep them distracted or keep them from achieving that as fast as possible and to be clear uh, this doesn't just happen at the the inexperienced level Um, I mean I personally get mentoring and I've been doing this you know 20 something years now you know I have personal coaches I have people at my same level that have personal coaches we have you know just And it's for every part of that swath of the skill set, not just engineering. One of the biggest mentorship opportunities that we're missing across the entire tech industry has nothing to do with code. It's how you interact with other people, how you lead up, how you deal with starting a project, gaining consensus for it, finding other people to follow you behind it. It's a very entrepreneurial process in modern technological industry, and most engineers that we're churning out understand the syntax, but don't understand the human factors involved. And so with every part of this, when you take someone as a mentoree, your goal is to keep them from being distracted by things that aren't helping them achieve their end goal, and then helping them build relationships with other people and understand how to foster those relationships so that they can then become self-sustaining over time.
3: Colt, you can just keep talking for the rest of the episode if you want. That is brilliant.
0: <laughs> we're, we're waiting for you, Colt. <laughs> no, uh, that was great. Would anybody else wanted to go off
1: on that? It sounded like uh, uh, there were a couple things in the chat. Um, yeah, I was typing the four C's. You hit right on it, Colt. It's the it's the collab. Being able to collaborate, being able to creative thinking, um, critical thinking, and communication. Those are skills that I work with millennials, and people think it's just the millennials that don't have it. It's a lot of people, and it's a lot of people in tech because that's one of the reasons some people got in tech. They rather not have to deal with other people. But it's also everything is about relationship. And how do you get your teammate to buy in on this line of code if you don't know how to communicate that well? Um, how do you get? Um, how do you solve the problems if you're not a creative thinker? If if. Um, if you're too afraid to 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 step out there, and those are the things that, that I as an educator constantly taught my students I math science social studies and that that comes easy to a lot of people it's the human factor as you just mentioned that that just kills them every time they don't know how to do these things they don't even a lot of people don't even know how to go approach how to even get a mentor um, they don't know how to network. To them, it's passing out cards. Um, it, there's a whole human factor that a lot of people are missing. So thank you for bringing that up, Colt.
3: Yeah, I'd I'd love to riff on that as well into the open source space. I think you know mentorship at a, a at a company or in a particular environment, or even if you're in a position of teaching, is kind of one thing. But another aspect of this is positivity and the understanding, particularly when you're working across international borders, that people come from different cultures. I kind of have to check myself often that if I'm talking to someone on an open source project, you know what, there's a really good chance that they're speaking my language and I can't speak theirs and, you know, people will respond to tone, tone is very difficult in text, tone is even more difficult in text when you've got this language barrier and a cultural barrier making it harder. I have enough trouble with tone with people who literally sit next to me. Um, you know, I'll say something and it will just come out the wrong way, particularly with junior people, because I might make an offhand joke and they will take it and, be, you know, read something completely different into that. Is there judgment? Should I be concerned? Did I just do something wrong? And I catch myself, I'm like, just by the way, this is, this is what I was going for <laughs> when I said that. And if it came out this other way, I, you, you end up overcompensating, but it's still really important to do that. And I I see these blow-ups happen where someone will say something on Twitter and all of a sudden, you know, 50 million reply tweets later and you can't even follow the thread anymore and it's just gone kind of sideways or backwards or ruin someone's day. And the worst thing you can do is ruin someone's day because you don't know what they're feeling, you don't know how they're interpreting it, and, you know, it's easy to then kind of have things escalate and you just need to de-escalate constantly. You need to provide provide opportunity for people to pitch in and say "Oh yeah hey the way you read that was not the way I intended it rather than you know getting aggressive because now they feel like they're under attack uh, this it happened a couple of times just like last weekend and the weekend before around two open source projects that I care a lot about um, you keep it respectful and it, it, it's so sort of like someone will flame and then someone else will flame and like you know you end up with someone who's just unproductive for the next couple of days. And how does that help anyone? You know, where you it costs you nothing to assume kind to, to assume positivity and reply with that or to um to to be kind, basically. And, and I think that's sort of a really important part of uh, particularly in a mentoring relationship, you're in a position of power. Whether you feel it or whether you intended to take that on or not, you are. Um, so always be aware of how someone else might be interpreting you, you're used to how you feel about yourself and you're used to peers and friends who look at you and think, you know, they know where you've come from and then you start mentoring someone and suddenly, whether you want them to or not, they might be putting you on a pedestal, they might be looking for approval, Um, they might be afraid of judgement. So this is sort of a really important thing I think to keep in mind. Great, thank you. Um,
0: So we're coming down on our time. Are there any other important things that we should keep on our mind um, before we get to our Twitter questions?
2: I just want to say one thing uh, for advice for um, apprentices. Like for me personally, if you want to, for me to mentor you, you have to be really persistent like you have to you most of my most people that I've mentored they've asked me like 5 to 6 times before <laughs> before I was actually really able to spend time with them so i think in this case like you know be a little gutsy um it's going to go a long way because people are really busy and it can be really hard even if we want to finding finding the right apprentice can be really hard but if someone someone is dedicated and showing that that they do really care about this over time it really goes a long way to to showing that yeah i think this is the right person for me to invest time into
0: Awesome. Okay, great. Uh, so we do have two Twitter questions. If anybody's watching live and, and has a question and like answered, uh, the hashtag is JS Question. Uh, the first one is from Wilson Rondin, uh, Rondini, and the question is: Mentorship is often used as false advertising. Galvanize uh, as well as employers feign uh, mentorship. How does one know if it's truthful?
3: Can I? Can I? Can I take this first? Um, this is this is a great question, and this kind of hits me because you know we get up and we talk about jobs at Thinkmill, and we do mention mentoring. Um, I, I think it's I think it's you can absolutely look for in like evidence uh, if you're doing something and it's authentic, it should show. We the the senior position I mentioned right at the start of the episode was that we actually have for the last five months employed someone very senior as. Well, uh, we created a position for them, uh, we call the developer-in-residence, to, to come in and, and teach, the, particularly the more junior people, but also to influence the company culture. And so you know, this is so, sort of an observable thing. You know, Who have you got working on mentoring? Is it just like something that you expect people to be able to do on the side while they're probably you know putting in big days and under their own pressure? Or is it something that you've actually constructed a position and a mandate to do at a company level and at a cultural level. There's also external factors, I think, through evidence of participation in open source, participation in community. These kind of things, like there's a lot of visibility around this now. Um, I can think of a lot of companies where I would be very confident in believing that they have a good mentoring culture, purely on observable output.
0: Cool. Question answered. I think that was good. Priyanka uh, Kaur I hope I said your name right uh, asks if you work alone or in all in an all beginners team is there any way to find a mentor or what's the best to do uh, best way to do advice on that uh, that problem
1: It's a hard problem, I guess. Well, for me, um, as a newbie, um, it's about networking. It's about, and I don't mean passing out cards. I mean showing your face, going to meetups over and over and over again. And you don't have to stay there and talk to 20 people. I'm an introvert by nature. If I've talked to two people and had two meaningful conversations, I'm out of there. I'm good. But if they see you over and over there, that's how I've got my mentors. My one of my mentors, Toby Ho, um, is one of the organizers of the Atlanta JavaScript group, and he was like, "You know what? You keep coming back. You keep coming back. So you know what? I'm going to help you because you, you, you just as Tara said, it's persistence. Um, and again, it's a relationship. No one wants to work with somebody they don't really know." don't like so you want to build that relation you want them to get to know you to like you start volunteering at different things just to have your I've only been doing this a, a year and a half and people know me I don't know I just am out they think I'm everywhere and I'm not but it's an illusion so create your illusion yeah, but I I know that illusion well
0: Colt did you have something to say?
4: Uh, yeah I'll just, I'll just follow that up uh, I, I completely agree that The best chance you have for mentorship actually comes from your existing social circles, Um, especially if you're new to a company or you have a a new friendship environment there. Getting introduced to people around you is is the greatest way. Um, There's actually a definitive tome on this, if anyone's interested. Uh, Harvard Business Review has a fantastic book called uh, On On Getting the Mentoring You Need. Um, it's like 13 dollars or seven pounds or whatever uh, I saw it a couple weeks ago but basically it's a, it's a really quick 150 page book that talks about identifying what your actual goals are who potentially you can get to help you achieve those things and then how to go about building and fostering that relationship from a mentor level a uh, really good read I highly recommend everyone at every walk of life even if you're the CEO of a company uh, reading this book because we all can improve And finding the right people around us to help that is is the key to doing that.
3: I I can't really improve on the definitive tome, but (laughs) uh, I think the the persistence has come up a couple of times, and for me, part of that is the commitment. Um, There's probably about a million people out there that I could mentor at this point, Uh, and if you know, like <laughs> just that, that thats not a thing. That's not possible. Um, taking on a, a position of mentoring is a, a serious commitment, as has been mentioned a couple of times. And if you want that from someone, then impress them. You don't—you're not going to impress them necessarily with what it is that you want mentoring in. That's why you want the mentoring, but you can impress them with your dedication to it, or your interest, or your keenness. Uh, we have. You know, uh, Rails Girls, Summer of Code, we have a team contributing to Keystone JS right now, and, and that's amazing. That's also a commitment. They've signed up for three months to do that. So we take that seriously. We help them, you know, help us, but also get the most out of that. So, yeah, uh, that, that commitment, I think, is a really important thing to find a way to show, um, and that will help.
2: One thing that um, I just want to add to that is Unfortunately, a lot of this looking for a mentor is, I, I think, really risky. You know, you can spend a lot of time and not really get a lot of uh, results uh, because, because you know, it's it's kind of, I mean, there's no guarantees. But there is one one way to guarantee the services like mentor. You know, it, it, especially for for has has a you know develop learning, getting uh, you know, so one of these services uh, could be a good way like a sure way um, to at least start to make some progress in, in your learning uh, and then you could uh, also on a side be building a relationship with, with, with someone who is going to who is not going to um, associate it with it as well but um, I think there, it's, it's, it's worth pointing out that in situations where you're working for a company and you need support, um, there are companies that are set up for, for helping you So that's also something to consider.
0: Great. OK, so we just have a little bit of time for this last question. It's actually uh, directed at Kim, um, but I think um, anybody can answer this question as well. Uh, The question is from Natalia. What resources uh, do you offer to people in tech when they want to learn to be mentors?
1: what offer, uh, services I offer is um, I do uh, some speaking, I do some consulting, um, also write about it. But I do a lot of, I've been working, again, a lot with um, boot camps um, to help them better. People are spending a lot of money for boot camps. And so um, if you, they can really make their environment really safe and um, know what the, the um, learners need outside of code because it's, people just focus on coding. Syntax. That's not. That's not what people need to become developers. Um, also, people are looking for projects. There is a. Um, I don't. I, I can't say if this is an international site, but there's one site called instructables.com that I. They have a lot of different projects. So look for pro- project project-based um, coding projects. Those kind of things. Look for code um, codecadas that you can work with together, and specifically the codecadas that start with level one. Um, code newbie has started creating codecadas. They have a level one, so the person who knows very little still has value, and they can come in and they can do something. And then it it, um, scaffolds up to level three, Um, because what I was finding is when we were doing our meetups, people who have very little um, skills they can't they don't have a place to get in. So if you can create a space for the newbie who's just learning to feel valued and can get in and do something, that is that is meaningful that person's going to like oh i can do this i can and they just keep building on it and then building on it so there's a lot of things out there I, I, google is our friend we know that so just the look but it has to again it has to be planned so just look for um, so google projects coding projects co- like i said coding um, I've been doing interviews for um, vetting uh, candidates for in, for um, developer positions and what I've had them do is explain through YouTube videos how they would solve a Kolkata and that helps people understand their thought process and then that's when you can see where your mentor has gaps in their learning. Um, do they know about this? Is this a tool they need to use? That kind of thing. So just assessing, having conversations. If there's not a black or white, it's a whole bunch of things, and we know that with tech.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, if anybody else has other resources you'd like to mention, you can just add them to your picks. Uh, that's what we're going into next. So um, this has been a really enlightening conversation, by the way. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Um, I think this is a good thing for the community, so I'm glad we're doing it. Uh, so let's go ahead and we'll jump into our uh, tips and picks. I'll go ahead and go first, and then we'll let you all go. Um, so let's see. My tip, my first tip is spread things out and reduce commitments. Um, if you're feeling like you're getting close to burnout, um, I have recently been feeling that a little bit, and so um, I've had like some conferences that I'm going to speak at, and, um, and they're asking me to do like, two talks or something. I'll ask them if I can repeat a talk Uh, I generally don't like to repeat talks if they've been recorded and stuff. I like to produce more content, Um, but uh, I I have some talks already prepared that haven't really been recorded, so I asked, hey, could I swap out that talk that I I was accepted for with with this other one, Um, and it really just, um, yeah, I'm much less stressed out, so uh, also, like, oh. My lights went off, but <laughs> I also um, had it like this week is a crazy busy week for me, and I've learned that it's important to not like line up everything at the exact same time. Um, also, another really uh, good thing, uh, this is kind of related to mentoring, is try to make stuff public. Uh, conversations that you have with people, or um, things that you're you're practicing or trying, whatever, um, you know, make make things public because you don't know who that could help. Um, and then my pick is React Workshop by Matt Zabriskie. Uh, we're actually giving this workshop today at uh, Midwest.js here, um, and it's a really, really fantastic workshop. He, Matt did a fantastic job on this reboot, so I recommend you check that out. Um, and I'll also give um, links to my uh, workshop sites for my friend and master's workshops. Those are available, um, and so there's really good uh, resources for Webpack and, and open source in those. So that's uh, my tips and picks. Why don't we have uh, Jed go next?
3: I had two. After that last little question, I've now got three. Um, my first one was uh, typography.js. Um, I've realized only yesterday how cool this actually is. It's basically a way to build uh, like a, a very modern reset, uh, like a starsheet reset. And it, it's it's based around some very good topography concepts. Unfortunately, a lot of developers don't really get excited about topography. Um, It's so easy to make your stuff presented better. Um, Check it out. Uh, It's it's, it's well worth a look. Um, My next one was gonna be Keystone.js, which is kind of, I don't know if that's cheating, this is my own project, Um, but we, I've literally been, like, went from a a minor refactor into a React-based user interface, bit of a year ago to, like, we have rewritten everything. And we are hopefully just like a couple of weeks away from this massive launch of all of the stuff that I've been working on for the last year. And I'm super excited. So check that out, Um, but maybe in two weeks. (laughs) And finally, the other thing I wanted to give a shout out to was Node School, Um, so just like as a resource. Um, They're on all over the world, and it's great. If you're looking for a mentor, there are mentors there. If you want to try being a mentor, there are mentors there, you can go and watch how other people do it, and you realize very quickly that it's something you can do as well. Um, and we've got, you know, uh, someone who was just absolute junior beginner at Think Mill, like, uh, not a year ago, um, going to a note school and realizing, hey, I actually know a ton of stuff, I can help someone, I can help everyone. Uh, everyone actually has the ability to, to mentor someone in, in something, and usually it doesn't take you long to have something that you can explain. So that, that's a really good place to go and actually develop that um, skill and experience or, or find, you know, a, a, a leg up. Great, thanks, Jed. Colt. Uh,
4: so tip and pick. Uh, so my tip for everybody out there is uh, learn data compression. Uh, there is there's an amazing amount of movement over the next five years towards um, the next 5 billion human beings that are about to get low computational 2G connections across uh, southern, Southern Asia and South Africa. These people will come online and basically redefine how technology works for the next three to four decades and quite frankly we as developers right now don't have enough mental cognizance towards what's required to really reduce things like data footprint, memory count, and asset sizes. And so there's a ton of resources out there if you're looking to operate in these types of uh, economic areas, if you're trying to launch a website that's focused towards India, or a new application to help out people in South Africa, you need to understand the basics of data compression. Uh, Not just because there's a new hit HBO show about it, uh, which is funny by the way, but because of the fact that this really matters to changing the lives of billions of human beings moving forward. Um, And my pick, so riffing back on the uh, mentorship angle, I firmly believe that everybody should take um, training on how to be a manager. Even if you're not planning on being a manager, the types of skills that you learn uh, during that process helps you understand your management chain better and uh, things the ability to manage up and manage horizontally. And for that, there's no training I've ever been to better than uh, UCLA's technical management program. Uh, fantastic resource, it's a bit pricey, but if you can get your company to cover it, it's really, really, really worth your time. Uh, and Probably one of the best trainings that I send all of my mentors to, or mentores to on a regular basis. So check that out.
0: Great, thanks. My lights don't want to stay on, so we'll just do this. <clears throat> Why don't you go next?
2: Uh, so I guess I, I'm next. So um, my tip is um, anytime, if you learn something, you probably know more than a lot of other people about this particular thing, so um don't be afraid to to be that person that knows something um even if you don't know everything i think it's it's okay to take to to give yourself room to to consider yourself knowledgeable so you know just like taking uh, taking a bit of risk and almost like I think faking till you make it kind of really applies here I mean it worked for me I, I, I went from not doing any front-end development to doing to being a senior front-end engineer two months into learning amber so like I know it's possible um, you just have to have um, you have to be brave in some respects um, now the other th- the my uh, uh, the other thing I want to tell you guys about is, uh, so I run a Global Ember Meetup. It's an online meetup for everyone who doesn't have a, a local Ember meetup and for every and for everyone in the Ember community. And uh, one of the things that we do is we run local conferences for places that otherwise could not get an Ember conference. So we have a Global Ember Meetup. Uh, we have this uh, conference called GemConf. Uh, it's happening in Triangle.js uh, this weekend. So if you're in the area and you're curious about Ember, we're going to have a day, a workshop introduction to Ember, then a whole day of uh, talks about Ember and uh, follow-up with training. Um, And uh, if you're interested, uh, we might be able to give give you some discount uh, on training, so just uh, let us know how we can help.
0: Great, thank you, uh, Kim. It looks like you have a whole bunch of links in here. We'll, we'll make sure we get those in the uh, show notes. Do you want to give us your tips and picks now?
1: Uh, my tips are: I do a, a commit to doing a daily. I call them mentoring minutes. I put it on Twitter and on my LinkedIn. So if you follow me on Kim Creighton One, you'll see um, just some some wisdom that I just think of that day. It's just a little one liner because that can only fit in one hundred and forty characters. Um, uh, get tips get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You're learning. It's okay. It's going to be frustrating. You're going to get pissed off. It's not going to be nice sometimes. So get comfortable with that because that's what programming is all about. You're solving problems. And then find opportunities to teach what you've just learned. It's a great way for not only you to give back as an as somebody who just learned something. So again, that's that reciprocity. You switching switching roles between mentor and mentee. But when you teach something, if you're able to teach something, you've solidified your own learning. So that's a great um, way to do that. My picks, as again, because I'm coming from this as a new person. Every of so many people I know who are learning on their own are taking the Harvard CS50 class. It is a phenomenal class. Um, it's in written, you, they use the C language but how he breaks down computer science concepts that people who are learning on their own wouldn't get is great and you can go to um, edX, they have a free course and if you take it on edX you can take the, all the classes as well and you can turn in the homework so you can get a certificate at the end saying that you completed this course and it's actually Harvard's most popular course um, in their whole school so it's, it's a great course and they're offering online. Also is code newbie is one of my babies it 's where I realized that i wasn 't by myself, and so there are local communities of code newbie and the whole the, our whole mission is create community um, and safe spaces also for um, uh, getting women in um, code um, one of the things that I love is women who code it 's not just for people with code it 's for people in technology, but they 've been so supportive and so um and, and, and inclusive and letting us you know help just helping women just find their place in tech and one of my favorite um i'm not a big um, i'm learning about open source but the person who hoodie dot i mean hood dot i e um the hoodie project has been a great open source project and they're really supportive and I love gregor and they're really supportive of newbies and so um I really want to send if you really want to um Cause Charlotte's on there who does my uh, she creates my um, the, uh, her Twitter I think is first pull request um, or my first pull request so they're really supportive of newbies so if you really want an open source project that and I'm sure there are others that's the just the ones I know because I actually was doing an open source I did an open source meetup here and Gregor came down to help me facilitate that just because there are people here who wanted to learn open source so they're a great community. They
0: truly are, like, totally seconded. They're, they're fantastic. <laughs> great, uh, so that's our show. Let me just give a couple closing announcements, and then we'll say so long, farewell. Um, we won't sing it. We don't have to sing it. But <laughs> so um, just a shout-out to our silver sponsors, React.js program. Uh, is a great way to master the React uh, ecosystem. And Sentry uh, is cross-platform crash-reporting. So check both of them out. They're fantastic. And thank them for supporting the show. So um, a couple links to forms, my lights just like, keep <laughs> turning up, but uh, yeah, a couple links to forms uh, that I'd love for you to go to, jsairio suggest will take you to a, uh, where you can suggest topics and guests uh, for the show, jsairio slash feedback, uh, so you can submit feedback on this show or other shows or the show in general, and uh, jsairio slash email will uh, take you to a place where you can set up. Um, uh, or, or where you can sign up for the newsletter and get weekly emails um, with highlights from the show. Um, with that, our next week's show is about managing dependencies like a boss, and uh, we have some awesome guests on that show, so uh, looking forward to that. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. So thank you very much for all coming, and uh, thanks, everybody, for
1: listening. We'll catch you all later. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful thank day. You. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.